Good evening, listeners. Thank you for listening to this uh, bonus episode, or as we like to call it, a B-side of Pod Like a Hole's second season, A Space Podity. Yeah, Eric, and, I gotta, Eric, I gotta cut you off already. Yeah, yeah, I that's say, I want to say, they're gonna happen so often now. Yeah, we're not gonna call them bonuses. They're B-sides. They're gonna be almost in between every other uh, album thing. We've just gotten in this rhythm where I, I just think we like talking to each other. We do. like hearing these things that are tangentially related to whatever the next Bowie episode we're doing is, awesome. If you don't, if it says B-side, skip it. Listen, it's a free world. It's free country. You can do what you want. Um, I'm Eric Anderson. Uh, I have been a, you know, a beloved guest star turned co-host by our our real ringleader to my left, Mark Branstad. Hello, Mark. Hello, Eric. Thank you for having me on your special uh, episode. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and, and, And Stephen Chambers, of course. As always, uh, his Garth to Mark Swain. I'm very excited to be here, and I like your description. Were you making a Wayne's World reference, was it? I was, yeah. That, interesting, because that's not the last time we're going to hear about them in this recording session, maybe for this episode. And by that, I mean to say, usually we do these B-sides as a, uh, a prelude to what the next recording proper uh, episode will be. And tonight, it's uh, side projects. And Eric, why are we talking about side projects tonight? That's right, because the Diamond Dice, our uh, magically charmed dice that pick from the universe and fate uh, what our next Bowie album is going to be, we they rolled Tin Machine. Ugh. And uh, and it is a side project of Bowie uh, amongst, amongst some other people. And we thought, hey, let's, that, let's make that our B-side. There's a lot of great fodder in talking about side projects. So let's do there, it. There is. And tonight, uh, the, the rules are that... Um, my rules I'm trying to adhere to, I don't know if my co-host will, is that the side project had to exist when the main project existed. Because if you were to go down, like, let's use the Murder City Devils, for example. Uh, the Murder City Devils started out as the Death Wish kids who begat the Hookers, who begat the Murder City Devils, who begat a bunch of weird projects, who begat Pretty Girls Make Graves, who begat Dead Low Tide, who begat Big Business. I mean, that's a, you could fall down the well and then, you know, it goes out the window. Right. So tonight we're talking so not about... So not a subsequent project, but a, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a parallel project. Yes. Yes. And that also, that leaves the window open, though, in the future. We can do an episode in our favorite supergroups. And maybe in the future we can do uh, our favorite band that begat a better band type thing. So I will say, based on that criteria, um, sometimes uh, my top five, the timeline can get a little choppy uh, with the main orbiting planet sometimes is on hiatus. Mm. And as the side project is kickstarted, sometimes they both are working concurrently, but just maybe not the genesis of the side project was at the same time as the main orbiting uh, mother station. <laughs> I'll allow so, it, Mark. I'll allow it. I'll yeah. allow it. Yeah. <laughs> you just bring All it, right. bring uh, it, you know, like, like, like at my, like at my exhausting job that uh, is, I, I love, 
just bring it to the board for approval. You have at least four to five meetings every goddamn week where you can bring it to the board for approval. Well, I mean, you guys can litigate uh, whether or not my picks are, are valid or not, and uh, maybe we can have a little spirited discussion. I I, so I, I, get, that, I get a little loosey-goosey with some of mine, so I think you're in good company here, Mark. Let's do it. Excellent. Well, I'm, right. just, I'm, I'm already scratching my chin because, you know, I always thought Bono was strictly you too, but I guess I'm wrong. It's... Well, I mean, the passenger's record, uh, you know, is not my number five. It, it's uh, <laughs> it certainly uh, was in contention, um, but I'm going to start with uh, number five is going to be Kevin Ogilvie's side project formed in 2000 under the, the band name Welt, W-E-L-T, but then later changed to Ogre, spelled O-H-G-R. project from skinny puppy uh some would say it could either be seen as a solo record um i myself and making it a full-on side project with a variety of uh members helping out mark walk being one of them and he's Definitely a full he's a full-fledged man- member member of skinny puppy now right so i believe so and yeah. even uh uh seven key or kevin key however you want to pronounce that um played in the live band with tim scold um and I can't remember who the other two were, but anyhow, Ogre is my number five. Um, I remember buying the first debut album, uh, Welt, uh, being a fan pretty much all throughout and, uh, sporadically he releases things, even though skinny puppy has now restarted. Um, uh, even though they haven't released anything since 2013, if I was to say anyone, um, to pick a Ogre record, um one of my favorites is the second one uh which would be sunny psyop that's a great I, album yeah yes. i really like that one Good. that's my yeah. favorite one mark i couldn't be happier that you mentioned that actually skinny puppy will come up again in this b-side episode but um i uh i do i, I and i love them all and every every one he puts out is great it seems like he took the pop sensibilities that would kind of come to the surface in skinny puppy which is not pop at all and he kind of just, that's what he wanted to do for a solo thing. Cause it is very catchy, but still noisy and still dancey and all that. But definitely like, he just kind of took that, that pop front man. That's always kind of been inside of him and had a lot of fun with it. Um, Absolutely. I, and live, I, he was a joy. I like uh, underdeveloped is a, is when they came out a few years ago. And um, that one has uh, the song tragic, which is as far as I'm concerned, is a high water mark for music in general. I that think, song is yeah, amazing. I think you've, you've, you've pimped that one uh, way back yeah. when on our industrial big three episode. That's right. And yeah, yeah, it gets kind of timey wimey on when did uh, ogre actually start, but I, I think the idea of it in the demo started getting kicked around during uh, skinny puppies existence. So we'll allow it. It's allowed. Yeah. And a lot of those demos have resurfaced for um, some new release that's coming out. They are doing a new album, but it's rumored that they're also going to put out a lot of those, those early welt demos. Um, 
on the social on the social media as they've been playing little 30 second snippets and it, it all sounds great so awesome choice mark Eric, you go next. I'm making myself yeah. the, the third in the row. So my my number five here is uh, a side project from a member of the Wu-Tang Clan and a producer of hip-hop extraordinaire Prince Paul. It is called Grave Diggers. Suicide, it's a suicide. said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around every once in a while. Six fucking devils stuffed up playing brave guard. Had to fucking know to try to enter my graveyard. I'm the resurrector. Be my sacrifice. Commit suicide. They've had four albums, uh, only two with the full group. And it's the first one that's really got a spot in my heart. Six feet deep. Um, the members are RZA. Um, from Wu-Tang, but really he's only doing um, uh, vocal. He's only rapping on this one. Prince Paul's doing a lot of the beats. And um, then you got Fruquan and Poetic, uh, rest in peace. They are the other MCs on the album. And it was definitely the first stab at horror rap, but done in a tongue-in-cheek, like almost like uh, <laughs> Tales from the Dark Side, or should I say Tales from the Hood kind of way. Um, the beats are always kind of scary, kind of grimy, very like, Without being rap rock, it never gets into rap rock mode, but it always has a tint or a hint of of of, of like heavy metal influences to it and satanic imagery. Um, and that first album uh, is is fun, and it's not so off the deep end like you feel like you're listening to a psychopathic records group or a uh, or a, even a Brother Lynch. It's it's it because rhymes are key, and these are all already established uh, East Coast rappers. Um, so Grave Diggers is my uh, number five. Can you please explain to this court how these so-called spirits made you into these raving madmen? Be a witness as I exercise my exorcism. The evil that lurks within the sin, the terrorism. Possessed by evil spirits, voices from the dead. I come forth with grave diggers in a head full of dread. That is a I good have one. nothing to really add to that. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not the rap head, the hip-hop head as you are. So uh, I'm glad to see that it's not just going to be rock based uh, or industrial based music so great choice eric thank you uh, that hulu show coming out about uh, the wu-tang clan's rise oh, to power yeah. Looks great. yeah yeah it looks great i think uh, i i recently found out that uh, odb's son young db has been touring with them doing all of odb's parts and I think that's yes, him yes. in the show. I could be wrong. I should check that out but that's amazing. I, <laughs> I don't know if he's in the show but yes, he did replace yeah. him. I learned that. Yeah. Uh, I co I, I I carpool with my coworker who's my neighbor three days a week and we were talking about it recently and he's seen them a few times in the uh, last few years and I would I was like what do they do you know have a hologram or what and he told me that so there you go nice well, what's your five Steve my five is Fever Ray. <laughs> I put my soul in what I do Last night 
from the knife. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So fe- yeah. Fever Ray. It's a. It's it's a project, but it's uh, Karen Dreiser. I don't know if I pronounced her name correctly. It's her solo project basically, and she is in the knife. And the thing about Fever Ray that is interesting is that I don't like the knife really much at all. Um, I always thought they were just kind of uh, annoying and being artsy for artsy's sake, and the music behind it didn't back it up. Uh, weird appearances at uh, award shows and whatnot. But uh, when I first heard Fever Ray, I didn't know they were the side project of the knife, and I fell in love with that first album. And uh, it's mainly, like, I, I don't know. I think it might be, it's her. She probably works with her brother on it, who's also in the knife, and just they want another outlet. I don't know the, I don't know enough about the uh, intricate workings of their relationship to know how different Fever Ray is from the knife as far as how the music's made. But I know it's more uh, Karen's project than anybody's. And it's just dark electronic pop. It's like if Depeche Mode fucking took a bunch of Quaaludes. Quaaludes. Um, they only have two albums. I'm a big fan of the first one. The second one's pretty good. Uh, the first one is just a, uh, I believe it's self-titled. And uh, the song off there that I really like is uh, When I Grow Up, track two. It's a good but, one. Uh, I've listened to that album many, many times. Uh, in my San Francisco years, a lot of times. But when I come back to it, I really, I really dig it. And uh, I like the second album. If they put a third one out, I'll dig it. So Fever Ray, there you go. There you go. Um, I know that my wife was really interested in that History Channel show, The uh, Vikings, and they use a Fever Ray song for their theme song. Yeah, if you if you yeah. like, if you, it's, it's not very, I mean, it can be danceable if you're like really slow dancing to darkness, but it's, uh, it's just really, it, it's, it, it's, it's, I don't know. It's like, it sounds like a grimier version of Bjork's yes, vocals. Yes, it's very, there you go. Yeah. It, it's if, uh, it's, that's, yeah, if Bjork had a really bad weekend. Yeah. It sounds like my cup of yeah. tea. And no, I'm always, it. I'm always, uh, my, uh, New Year's resolution is always listen to more lady fronted bands. It's, it's something I really need to do. And I always, I thank my, <laughs> I always am happy with that, with that choice every time I, uh, really go out and explore it. So that sounds great. If you you would like them, Eric, I know you would. Especially, they're not uh, industrial, but they're very electro. So in your your renaissance you've been having, you dig them on that end. And then even though she doesn't listen to music uh, since 1989, I think your wife might like them too. So <laughs> I can sneak something in. Yeah. All right. Back to me. Yeah. Number four. So number four, it's probably a safe choice, but it is a... Uh, a band that I absolutely love this man's singing style. Uh, and I do find that they are a little different than what you would find on his main uh, dish, but that would be a perfect circle with Maynard James Keenan, Bar- Billy Howardell, mm-hmm. James Eha, Matt McJunkins, Jeff Fredell, And in the past members, uh, we had Troy Van Leeuwen from Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, Paz, uh, I can't pronounce her last name. I'll just call her Paz L., on bass and then Tim Alexander from Primus was also there Josh Fries from the Vandals Danny Loner from Nine Inch Nails and Jordy White from Marilyn Manson otherwise known as Tweet Ramirez Um, um, I, 
I, I love Perfect Circle. I I did. Uh, I'll get back to you, Love, in a second. I forgot that that Herb was in that band. That was like before they became big, right? Yeah, you actually saw them in that incarnation at some really small venue. I believe it was in Roseville uh, when before they released a record. Um, hmm. um, I think uh, old Timmy was on the drums on the old Skins. That might have been. Yeah, that might have been Big Shots. My God, Big Shots. That's the one. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I, I've liked Perfect Circle ever since they uh, uh, were announced. And then when I started hearing material, they opened up for Nine Inch Nails on the Fragility Tour, uh, which I thought was fantastic because I got to see, uh, I think, no, I had already seen Tool at that point. But I'm a big fan of his singing style. I know we all three worked with another individual at the old record store who is obsessed with Maynard James Keenan and Tool and Perfect Circle, which kind of drove it into the ground. Uh, but I still always maintained that uh, when a good band's good, you, it doesn't matter who is potentially trying to ruin it for you. Um, I really enjoy the first record, the Meriden Oms, um, uh, but uh, I'm also a big fan of the 13th Step. Their newest one, Eat the Elephant, um, is actually pretty good. I didn't have high expectations for them because it uh, went away for quite a while. I didn't even think they were still around. Um, but uh, Perfect Circle, number four. I actually, I like the second album. That's my favorite one of theirs. The second album kicks me in the ass, man. That The opening track, when that, uh, dun, 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 bow, bow, that riff comes in after this. Fantastic. Uh, it's been yeah. building for like five minutes. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, good album, good band. Seen them a few times, the few different lineups. We talked about them on our. They did that Ashes to Ashes cover we talked about in the last uh, episode, and um, we'll talk about Maynard again when we talk about uh, Tin Machine, because Nine Inch News. Even though it's not Nine Inch News, I think when Tool releases a new song, you got to talk about it. So we'll talk about it again later, um, in the future. But uh, right on. Yeah, no, I, I like Perfect Circle. I got to give that new album uh, more of a chance. I think. I mean, it's not as rockin' as some of their other two. It's a little more um, subdued, I would th- I would say. Um, it did knock me on my ass, but it is it was better than what I expected it to be. I didn't even think they were going to be around anymore. Um, but yeah, 13th Step, that song that you're talking about, The Package, it absolutely just kicks me on my ass. So you just, per- you're saying The Package will be the song of- you tell everybody to check out? Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, pa- uh, Perfect Circle would fall in to some of the latter day tool stuff where uh, it's all technically very good. Um, I just, for whatever reason, just I, it struggles to get it gets its hook, hooks in me. Um, but you know, maybe it's for lack of trying and I, I, I should give that stuff another spin. Um, I've been going back and listening since they've been streaming to the old tool stuff, but that stuff I loved when it first came out, those first uh, three albums. So that's been easy. I like, that's like, I'm I, like, I'm into it. So I, I, Nostalgia's played a big part in in that, so I gotta I gotta give I gotta I gotta put more effort. I gotta I gotta I gotta man up and 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 try. It. I mean, it's not for everybody. It is it's more of a mainstream sound than what you would expect out of Tool. Tool, I mean, even as mainstream as they are, I mean, I was listening to a podcast on Earwolf, and they were um, advertising the fact that Tool is now available on all the digital streams. So, but Tool is a little more rhythmic and a little more in that style of prog rock with king crimson um with a little bit of 
their own flavor. But uh, yeah. I would say Perfect Circle is really like uh, a fastball right down the middle. So if you're not a fan of that type of music, I understand. I think it has more of emotional resonance with the fact that I'm so... Uh, I like the fact that, you know, whatever Maynard James Keenan uh, really throws out there, with the exception of Pussifer, um, I, I kind of give a little more uh, attention to. Nice. I'd say, Eric, if you were to rank them, early uh, uh, 1990s Tool, then Perfect Circle's Output, then post-turn-of-the-century Tool. That's how I, I rank the quality in my mind. So. All right, uh, my number four... <clears throat> My number four is not music, actually. This is where I said I, I'm getting loosey-goosey with, uh, with the idea here. We talk about him almost every week for some reason, especially Mark and I. But uh, Tim Heidecker's side project is On Cinema. And I'm going to talk about that for a minute now. Because it is... If you can't, ex you have to explain it to really, to really understand. So the, his main project obviously was Tim and Eric. Awesome show. <clears throat> Great, ridiculous, absurdist, short attention span theater comedy. Then he and um, Greg Turkington, who is, uh, uh, you may know him as Neil Hamburger. Um, they started a podcast called On Cinema where they would um, review movies. Uh, and and that's it was funny because. My life. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they would review movies, but the idea was like Greg Turkington like like likes all movies and is not really a critic, even though he claims he is, because he just loves movies so much. Um, and then Tim Heidecker never watches them and just talks about his own personal like fucked up life. And that 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 became a show on adultswim.com. Um and it would just follow from season to season as Tim's life gets out of control and he goes from being like an anti-vaxxer to being like in an EDM band, to being in a really bad rock band called Dekar, um, uh, to being a total Trumper. Um, and it's, there's a lot of fun he has with politics on that. And then he makes his own show called Decker, and it's like a MacGyver or like a uh, like a like a yeah yeah CIA type show, but it's done on a shoestring budget, and it's so cheesy in the best way. Um, uh, so much so that Martin Sheen's brother, Joe Estevez, plays the president of the United States. And he looks just like Martin Sheen from West Wing, which is great. Anyways, it's, <laughs> it is so, so bizarre. And, has, and they do these like three hour long Oscar specials every year that just get out of control. And um, it's just, just a weird side pocket. Um, and I love Greg Turkington and, and Tim Heider. It's just a, it's a beautiful thing. I thought. Why can't you talk like a fucking pirate? My mom's size Irish. No, I don't give a shit. I could do a fucking better job than that. Just you promised me that he would be doing re recreations of famous scenes yeah, from Jaws. Interrupting with direction when well, the Roy well, somebody and... had to. You're gonna let him just sit there and read it off the card like that? And I regret asking. I'm instantly regretting asking you to be a part of this. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, so, Eric, I have a question again. Now, you may have uh, said this during your introduction, but where can I find this? I mean, I, I've been listening pretty religiously to that Office Hours, yeah. uh, his podcast that he does yeah. weekly. It's on hiatus right now, but where can I find on cinema? If you go, if you go to adultswim.com, I think it's all up there. It's all up there for free, and you can got it. Yeah, and you can and you can watch it. I don't know if the podcast is still available, but you don't have to. You know, there's only there was only like ten episodes of that, and then they went straight to a show. So yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be checking that one out. It's I fun. love that man. Yeah, him and Eric, uh, Tim uh, Heidecker and Eric Warheim. 
uh, I always thought that there were the graduating class of uh, the Mr. Show University. Absolutely. Um, and they took it to another level, and obviously they got Bob Odenkirk's seal of approval. Um, uh, and just that sensibility of just like, the fuck kind of humor is this? Yeah. Um, I, it, it, and you have to kind of think about it. And once you kind of get your sea legs under you, it's um, definitely along for the ride. Because at first glance, like when you were a long time ago, when you were talking about Tom Ghost the Mayor, I was like, what the fuck is this show? This makes no sense. But then <laughs> I went back and watched the awesome show. Yeah. And then uh, everything was more like, yeah. all right, okay, I get it now. Um, I, even though they weren't affiliated with Wonder Shows, and, um, it had that same style of brand of humor. Right. Um, just. And again, all, I feel like all of that bleeds down from the Mr. Show's influence. Um, but yes, yeah, yeah, great stuff. Actually, I, I thought of this. I thought of this one because uh, Steve got me turned on to this podcast called "What a Cartoon" because there was a an episode about the Clerks cartoon. Uh, oh yeah, and... like that's from the uh, that's from that's a it's from the same network as uh, Retronauts, I believe, which is uh, okay. old video games. Go on. Yeah, and they and they uh, they did an episode on Tom Goes to the Mayor, and I was listening to it, and I was like, oh shit, that's that's my side. That's a side project. I love on cinema, so I went. I went with that. So, anyways, that that kind of planted the seed on on me talking about that tonight. But that's my number four. And I'll use that segue of old video game uh, podcast to talk about my next one. My number four is the advantage. side project of the band Hella. Um, the guys in Hella had like 25 bands going on at the same time from the Sacramento area. And the advantage was from the Sacramento area. Um, I'm actually friends with one of the guy that was in the bands. I haven't talked to him in years, but we used to, we used to be buddies. And um, he was the, uh, I think he was a bass player. Yeah, we're friends. So Zach, Zach but Hill anyhow. was not, Zach Hill was not in the advantage, right? The no. drummer from Hella. This was Spencer. This is this, this, the, the guitar player from Hella had a, uh, a, a band there was a rock band that played old Nintendo songs and he played the drums. And, um, it's just, there's a billion bands that do that now, but I think they were one of the first and I still think yeah. they were one of the best. Yeah. Um, and you might think oh, that sounds like kind of a novelty thing, but, uh, no, I challenge you to not listen to any of their albums and think that they're really well-crafted despite the production value. And they managed to translate some of those old songs into ways that like, it makes you appreciate what the old programmers did with a limited soundboard. Um, yeah. Great. Yeah. Super stuff. complex, super uh, complex, really riffy. It's, yeah. It's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they, it's just all old Nintendo songs. I don't think they branched out and did any other albums. And it's just, uh, I want to say it's just two guitars, drum and bass for the majority of it. And yeah, from the Sacramento area, a spinoff from Hella. And uh, if I were to suggest one song that gets me, in the heart and the mind, it's their cover of the moon level from the DuckTales game. I was just going to Duck, say DuckTales, yeah. Ah.
and they also they kind of were responsible for me. Uh, they, they do a great version of a couple of Castlevania songs, which spiraled me off into learning there's a whole movement out there of bands covering Castlevania music, which made me go through and play every Castlevania game a few years ago. And um, I love the Castlevania games, and I appreciate Advantage for kicking me in the ass to go through and play every last goddamn one of them. But uh, anyhow, yeah, the fact that, that Mark was laughing knowing that the Moon Level uh, song was the one I would pick tells you there's something there. So check out the Advantage. It's good stuff. It is very good stuff. And uh, as you were saying that, I was like, he better goddamn say that Moon Level song. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, moving on. Um, number three. So number three, like I will admit, um, I, I was at the end of this whole thing, I'm going to give you my honorable, honorable mentions. Um, but number three is going to be, uh, it is a super group. Uh, it has two of our favorites that we've talked about before on previous, either B side episodes or main episodes, but that would be Fantomas. Featuring Mike Patton on vocals from Mr. Bungle and Faith No More, Dave Lombardo from Slayer. Uh, then you've got Buzz Osborne from the Melvins. And then also uh, Trevor Dunn from Mr. Bungle and later in Tomahawk. I love this band. Um, their first album is uh, recorded just right before the collapse of Faith No More. Um, and it, if you're not ready for it, you're never going to be ready for it. Um, it is one of those offbeat avant-garde metal uh, acts. The director's cut, their second record, is uh, probably their most straight-up album that they've recorded, which is just reinterpretations of famous motion picture theme songs. If you tuned into our last ep- B-side episode, when we talked about top five scary monsters, when Steve was talking about Night of the Hunter, that was Phantomas playing underneath that. Yeah, they do the song from um, The Omen. They do, uh, yep. like, uh, maybe... The Godfather. Yeah, they do, uh, not Suspiria. They do one of the one of the uh, Goblin songs, I think. They do uh, an Ennio Morricone song. Yeah, it's it's glorious. Yep. Yeah. Um, now, I can't remember exactly, but there is one song, and I have seen them live twice. I think, Steve, you've seen them probably maybe two or three times. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe two or three times, maybe four. Uh, one time it was a, I want to say maybe we were together, maybe we weren't for a New Year's Eve show. But um, every time, it was a time to be remembered. But I got to say, you know, because on record, you're like thinking that they're just fucking around in the studio, but they are tight as a drum when they play live. It is unbelievable how they can just stop and start on a dime. That's, yeah. Um, my favorite record of theirs is their first record. Um, actually, if you can believe it. Really? Um, really? I'm a, I'm a, I, I, I'm a director's cut uh, fan till I'm down on the ground. I love that album too. I, 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 but, yeah, director's uh, cut got me record... got me in there because the first one I just thought was too well short attention span theater. I guess that's what I that's what I always called it. But I I don't know. I love that debut album. There's one on there like where Mike Patton. I I'll, I'll look it up. I can't remember what page because the first album is just uh, set up like a comic book where everything is like a certain page. Um, I want to say it's like page 14 where. 
Uh, Mike Patton does this really cool thing with his vocals. And put it in pumpa. Uh, I I just really that's love good. that. Yep. <laughs> no, that's it. You know, I, I I'm gonna bring up a Ipecac related. No, actually, they're not on Ipecac. A Mister Bungle related band tonight. Whenever we, it's it's hard not to. Whenever you know, between Mike Patton, the Melvins, and all the guys they ran around with, you're always gonna. Whenever we do a, a dive into the history of stuff we like listening to, you're gonna find a band related to this group and uh they're always you know like i said before they're skeleton keys to great stuff so yep so that's my number three nice yeah uh, and so uh, 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 mark if you were to uh, i think i think the first album is just a series of uh, numbers for the songs yeah, it's like pages of a comic book page one page two and yeah yeah and then their last record that they did uh, uh suspended animation where it was like cartoon music um, that's days of the calendar in April for whatever reason. So since, um, since I want everyone to at least come away from this episode with a suggestion of where to look, uh, off the second album, there's a song on there called, uh, what the hell is it? A citizen, a citizen under suspicion or something. That's the Enio Moore. Uh, that's the Enio investigation, yeah. investigation of a citizen above suspicion. That's a good one. There you go. Um, the first one I need to go back and explore though. I, I just always thought it was too short, but now hearing that, that it's all like they play it live. Like it's a damn, like fully thought out composition that I appreciate that. So I'll have to go back and check that out again. Yeah. Um, all right. So my number three is another skinny puppy side project. They have a few and honorable mentions are like, um, doubting Thomas is a, more ambient, uh, like chill wave kind of thing. Um, there's a really weird one called Hilt, which is mostly just Dwayne Goatel. Um, uh, and, uh, that one's, um, uh, that one's just bizarre, but, uh, Cyberactive is a, is a project with Dwayne, Kevin Key, and then Bill Weed from Frontline Assembly doing vocals. under my skin i discovered it about three years ago and um it just with the layers upon layers of synths but still a real a real hook of a melody that gets you on every song um the song nothing stays the same is um an all-timer as far as i'm concerned and um i think they have one album and like maybe five singles or something but it's it's very very good and it's an example of why industrial is kind of fun because it's a very small genre and a lot of, a lot of, they play nicely together and, um, the wax tracks put it out and it's a, it's a beautiful album. So cyber active and friend of the show, Blixabargo is on there as well. Uh, Tenebra vision is the name of the album. That's my three. 
That's a blind awesome. spot for me on my skinny puppy side project uh, dartboard. Same. Oh yeah, check it out. It's fun. It's a goodie. So, Steve, what do you got? My number three is to follow up uh, right on Mark is the Secret Chiefs 3. Trace Bruins from Mr. Bungle is the main mastermind. I think he's the only consistent member. Uh, they've they've had maybe over 30 collaborators on their records. Uh, during when Mr. Bungle was still active, they put out their first album. And uh, I want to say, Mark, back me up here. Is the first three albums called like one, two, and three? What the hell are those called? First Grand Constitution, second yes. Grand. Yep. Okay, so no. Yeah, it's First Grand Constitution and Bylaws came out in 96. And then Second Grand Constitution of Bylaws came out in 98. And then Book M came out in 01. And they moved on from there. Um, first album's kind of noisy. Uh, it's, it's good, but it's noisy. That second album's where they got their hooks in me. And Holy the, smokes, yeah. Yeah, and the third album's where really I fell in love. Um, what they are is you had some members of Mr. Bungle, Trace Bruins and Trevor Dunn mainly, and some other collaborators. And the best way I can describe their early stuff was mid 1990s production techniques doing surf music through the Middle East I guess sound right sounds right okay and it would get really noisy sometimes it would get really dancey sometimes it would get really avant-garde sometimes but it always kept you engaged and I just I, I love that band like they have a few particular tracks that I come back to and just warm my heart um and it goes much further beyond just nostalgia of, you know, uh, my late teens, early 20s. Uh, great stuff. It's kind of like I, the way I look at them is that I'm a big Mr. Bungle fan. I'm probably sure other people on this podcast are as well. And I feel that Mr. Bungle took a hard stop in 99. And the closest thing you're going to get to where they might have gone was following the Secret Chiefs path. And they have a discography that's just insane and varied there's like subgroups of subgroups uh the whole we could probably devote a whole podcast to this band but uh if i was to tell you to listen to uh 
one album. It would probably be the uh, book, the Book of Horizons, which has the song Book T Exodus. And Exodus is kind of a cover, kind of not. And it's like a sunny sunshine drive down the coast with Enio Morricone horns. And I love the hell out of it. So uh, the Secret Chiefs 3. That's my number three. Nice. Nice. All right. Moving on to my number two. Um, So since this man is the king of the side projects, I'm just going to go ahead and say yes. I actually like this band a little more than uh, Phantomas, and that would be Tomahawk. We've had Phantomas, Tomahawk, and Secret Chiefs 3. These are all in the orbit of Mike Patton and his co-conspirators. That's correct. So Tomahawk had Mike Patton, of course, from Faith No More, Mr. Bungle. Uh, Dwayne Dennison from Jesus Lizard on guitar. John Stainer from Helmet. Uh, and then Kevin Root-Menis from The Melvins. Also, uh, he was a member of The Cows. And then when they kicked him out of the band or he just stopped returning their phone calls, that's when Trevor Dunn came in there. He kind of um, uh, he kind of got kicked out. But if you watch that Melvin's documentary, everybody's in a better space now. But it had to happen. Kevin, uh, yeah. Kevin, even though when we became fans of the Melvins, Kevin was the bass player and I loved watching him play. He had the weirdest approach to playing the bass and in Tomahawk where yes. you always felt like the guy was going to fall over at any time, but he held it together the whole time. It was just yes. insane. yes. Um, we saw them play at Slim's for their first record, um, and they came out dressed as cops. And I remember we were pretty much um, bellies against the stage, and uh, they were making sure that they were passing out uh, earplugs to everyone because it was going to get loud. Um, but that was a great show. Um, I remember Kevin had a sleeping uh, fake kitten on his amplifier. And then when they opened up for Tool, uh, at the Arco Arena, um, now known as Sleep Train Arena, uh, they were absolutely. That was in support of their second record, Mitt Gas. Uh, that was quite fun to watch Mike Patton antagonize the crowd. But I love uh, Tomahawk. Um, I love all four of their records. Um, uh, I don't really give a whole lot of uh, time and space for Oddfellows. Um, I do enjoy it, but I, I just. Didn't fall in love with it as much as... And yes, I even like the Anonymous record, the one that uh, is essentially um, Native American folk songs oh, I reinterpreted. Like, oh, that, that album's great. That album's very special to me. I, There's I, a great song called Red Fox on there. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. Um, but uh, God Hates a Coward. God, I love that song off their first record. And um, the song Mayday off Mitt Gas. That's a great, rec- uh, great song. Um, I think... Uh, it's really largely driven by Dwayne Dennison's guitar work. Um, but, uh, you know, Mike Patton definitely gives it his all. I love this band, Tomahawk. Isn't that Another the, song. Uh, isn't that too. the drummer from uh, Helmet and Battles? Isn't he their drummer? Yes, or that's Mike correct. Patton? John Stainer. Yeah. 
That is right. Yeah, no, helmet's good. Battles is good. Uh, Battles is a very uh, mathematical, odd band, but managed oh. to break through to the mainstream, which is cool. They did that. Um, another song I would suggest is Captain Midnight off of. Uh, That's a good one. Yes. Yeah. And um, God Hates a Coward is my favorite song by them. Uh, yeah. I love the, the song. I love the, the title. I love that's just so strong. And um, as far as Dwayne Dennison goes, I'm a huge Jesus Lizard guy. Uh, I got I got into them way all well after they broke up. And I've been meaning to see them every time they go on one of these reunion tours. Are you guys Jesus Lizard guys at all? You know, that's kind of a blind spot. I For whatever reason, Same. I probably have dabbled, but I've never jumped in the pool. I think both of you would like them. So give them a shot. There you go. I'm kind of cheating on these, so I, I, both of them, it's kind of like, it's a side project rabbit hole, kind of like how you're doing with Mike Patton, like it's just a name that you can follow to so many cool side projects. I will narrow these down to one, to one, to one project though. So my next one is, if I had to name a name of a guy to check out for side projects, it's Dan the Automator. Um, hmm. He's a hip hop producer who has been involved in so many good ones, to name a few. Lovage. Name a few, Lovage, which is also a Mike Patton project. Handsome Boy Modeling School, which he did with Prince Paul. Your love is my sanity. He was also, as we mentioned, part of Grave Diggers. And, and then so many other people. Um, Bombay the Hard Way, which is him and DJ Shadow uh, doing Bollywood songs. Yeah! Uh, and then, uh, of course, he was on the first Gorillaz album with Damon Albarn and... Uh, Del, uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, who is his collaborator in what I think is my favorite project of his, which is Deltron 3030. Del, I'm feeling like a ghost in a shell. I wrote this in jail, playing host to a cell for the pure verbal. Said my sentence was equivalent to murder, just another hurdle. I bounced through a portal. I knew they had the mind. Which is a, it's just a perfect futuristic sci-fi hip-hop album. Um, and if I had to name, uh, uh, oh, and Kid Koala does the scratching on that album too. So it's a three-way uh, collaboration. And uh, if I had to name one song, just the title track is a six-minute opus that's triumphant and spacey, and uh, it's a perfect example of what hip-hop can do. Um, so, Deltron 3030, but check out all the Dan the Automator work from the uh, 90s and early aughts. I don't know what he's up to lately, but that's what I got. I agree with all those projects. I like the, all of that. Yeah, yeah, if we're gonna remember, go, If we're going to go back to turn of the century shows we saw, I've already brought up on this podcast, the Loved Show at Slims was a... Uh, warmed my heart and my mind so i think about that all the time yeah that's a great show that lovage album is just oh perfect it's perfect it's great yeah i consider that more a dan the automator with featured guests mike Patton and jennifer charles um but i uh uh jen uh my wife contracted the chicken pox uh for that show and uh she wasn't able to attend 
and I believe I sold my ticket, her ticket to uh, one of our coworkers named Josh. And uh, but that was that was a great time. And one of our best friends, may he rest in peace, was pulled up on stage by Mike Patton and given a back rub in exactly. front of the audience. That was beautiful. Great. Those are they knew how to inter- interact with the audience. Um, is it my turn? Sure is. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So yep. This is number our, two. Number, our number two. My number one is only number one because they're because the man whose side project it is is Trump's all. Um, my number two. I'm we surprised don't Eric that, We don't use that word any, anymore. No, that's Trump's true. All. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Sorry. No, go on. Yes. My number two. The reason that Eric hasn't brought it up tells me he wasn't thinking this through properly. My number two is the Black Heart Procession. off of three mile pilot exactly and yeah. i did my math they pre-existed at the same time <laughs> and uh yeah, yeah the black heart procession who uh paul jenkins is uh paul jenkins and uh tobias uh, what's the other guy's name tobias nathaniel nathaniel yeah tobias, tobias nathaniel. nathaniel they're the main the main uh, artists but they also did time and three mile pilot who's their other band they started together uh one of them was also in pinback uh, either way Feel like Black I feel like it was that, somebody from Pin. Somebody from Pinback was in Three Mile Pilot. I think that's what it was. But yeah, sounds Rob right. Crow. Was it Rob Crow? No, it was. Um, I think that's well. That it was that bass player. Crow, it's the bass. So. Yeah, it's the it's the bass player from Three Mile Pilot. I can't remember his name, but he's a he's a monster. He's 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 great. Yes. But. Either way, Black Heart Procession is absolutely one of my favorite bands of all time. I don't yes. listen to them every day, but I do love them. Um, Eric was the one that I think that introduced me to them. And uh, I like every one of their albums. I love their first four albums. Uh, I, they're, yeah. I, I will, I, I will. Those first four records, I'll take them, put them in a box, and take them with me to my grave. Uh, yeah. Bad bastard music. Spectator sport. Still, so they made a spectator sport out of depression, and uh, <laughs> to the point, like I'm saying, it's fun, and but not in an emo way. There's something, there's something authentic and haunting about how they do depression, and it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's never, it's never too maudlin that you can't get through it. And there's always some wry humor there. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think ever being sad's never sounded so good as a black car procession. And if you meet the guys, they're just they're just guys, man. They're indie rock fucking old guys. They're all like they're basically the Jeff Tweedy, the band. If you meet like their personalities, <laughs> I've I've had the pleasure of meeting them after some shows, and um, they're they're just wonderful. And it's Americana folk by way of San Diego. I don't really know how to describe them. That's about right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, my fav- my favorite album is Immortal Tropico, but my favorite song is off tra- the third album. Three, mm. uh, the waterfront. Oh, yeah. Yes, I was going to say the same thing. That is my favorite song of theirs too. Yeah. I, yeah, the first all, song all, album has the, that... has even thieves couldn't lie, 
which may be the saddest song of all time. Uh, that song is beautiful, but yeah, they're those other songs you mentioned are, are top notch. Yeah. And for fans of our show that have stuck around since the nine inch nails thing, if you're into nine inch nails for some of the more introspective albums, give black car procession a shot. Definitely. Uh, the first one is a little more like a, like a kind of a model in Billy Joel. It's very sparse with just more piano work. Um, they really get into more instrumentation on the second and third record. And then for uh, more Del Tropico, I mean, get ready for just a rocket ship ride around the tropics. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's got maracas yeah. and just, uh, just everything. Oh, Steel drums. They made yeah. a, yeah. Yep. They made a DVD with a video for every song. And the, the video for the song, Did You Ever Wonder, is a masterpiece. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, yeah. do have a sense of humor at times. And they have uh, the two times that I've seen them, uh, I think you both were in attendance, but they do a great cover of You Got Lucky by mm-hmm. Tom Petty. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, the funniest thing about that was we were driving there and Steve just mentioned that song on the way to the show, not knowing that they do a cover and then they busted out that cover. It was it was like a, a, a total kismet moment that that we all lost our shit too yeah and you might say oh steve went to setlist fm or something no this is like 2002 so (laughs) the powers of the internet were not there yet yeah 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 all right so my number one side project with a bullet is grinder man yes i'm the grinder man all right uh mark you're gonna have to uh let eric talk about his and then we'll talk about grinder man together sounds good all right uh, all right, so my, I thought that my was going to happen. My number one, I guess for me, he would be like my Mike Patton when it comes to side projects. Uh, Al Jorgensen, in my opinion, is the king of side projects. He, uh, uh, if I just go through the list, uh, he's got, of course, a thousand homo DJs with a uh, great supernaut cover with uh, Trent Reznor, some other songs. He's got Revolting Cox, which he did with. Uh, a guy from Front 242, and he did from uh, Billy Connolly. Not Billy Connolly. Yeah, Chris Connolly. There we go. Um, which is just some, like, dancey, sleazy, sort of industrial, but kind of club-ready stuff. PTP was very club-ready, and he did that with Ogre from uh, from Skinny Puppy. Um and if I had to pick my favorite side project thing that he did, it's just one song. And we talked about this in our big three episode, but I'm bringing it up again because it's been in my head ever, ever since I, I discovered it. And it's Acid Horse, no name, no slogan. He did it with the lead singer of Cabaret, Voltaire. And it's a four on the floor with strumming guitars and uh, just super catchy vocals um, with uh, classic, uh, classic ministry bass lines and uh, Paul Barker bass lines. And it's a it's a it's a beautiful song. But as far as I'm concerned, his 80s and 90s wax tracks ministry side projects 
are all just unbeatable. And what a time to be alive where like every week there would be a new single with a different kind of sound that he was turning out. So thanks Uncle Al for giving us so many side projects. So uh, Al Jorgensen, the human side project is your number one. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But uh, right, yeah, I would say acid. I said I would say acid horse. No name, no slogan is the creme de la creme of his stuff. Oh, I forgot to mention Lard, his project with Jello Biafra, which is also amazing and fun. It's a great one as well. Uh, but yeah, so no, I'm glad I'm, I'm yeah, glad you did that because when I was sitting there trying to come up with my five, I felt like an Al Jorgensen project should be on there, but. I, I just, I figured you'd bring up half of them. And also, when I think of Al, I know he did all the other stuff, but I go to ministry. Sure, so, sure, you know, sure, but, sure. Uh, and honestly, there are gems. There are gems yeah. in uh, in his discography among all the others. So I mean, other than Palehead with Ian McKay from, you know, Fugazi, Minor Threat. So, like, Palehead, Re- Revolting Cox, um, and Lard are the only ones that actually have any like full albums. The rest are, are like singles. So it's kind of hard. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to put it on your list when it's a bunch of scattered songs, but I've collected them all and enjoy them quite a bit. So there we go. Well, I can't wait to enjoy some of them when I drag you to that Slayer show in Oakland and we drug Mark and get him to go too. So. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Not gonna do it. Alright, Steven. I read her earlier, I read her yeats. I tried best to stay up late. I fixed the hinges on her gate, but still she just never wanted to. A dozen snow white doves I did her dishes in rubber gloves I called her honeybee I called her love But she just still didn't want to She just never wants to putting you on pause because i'm going to talk about him too mark you're number one all right my number one yes grinder man it was uh originally known as the mini seeds it was formed by nick cave um warren ellis martin p casey and jim scavalnos i'm sure i just mispronounced that greek last name but hey i tried um so all four of those members are in nick cave and the bad seeds but they wanted to do something that was a little more lean and mean and more going down to the basement and banging around. Um, so they released their first record grinder man, self-titled in 2007. And it came out before they did dig Lazarus dig, which I feel that, um, the sound of dig Lazarus dig really owed a lot to grinder man. Yes, sir. No, definitely one informs the next. And, uh, if you didn't say that, I was going to bring it up. So I'm glad you did. Absolutely. Um, I actually prefer grinder man Two, uh, which is the album with the wolf on it. Um, I feel that that one, uh, is a little more experimental. Uh, I would have to say, um, uh, I thought that that band was done, but apparently in, uh, just last month, July, 2019, a fan asked him that question, and on the Red Hand Files, Nick Cave hinted that a third album in a yet-to-be-completed trilogy was in the works. And the reason that, and the question was, uh, I think who was your favorite guitar players or something? 
and he brought up friend of the show Robert Fripp, who's in the Zeitgeist all the time, and it warms my heart because Robert Fripp is on the um, the remix of Heathen Child, Super Heathen Child. That's right. And it definitely it, it there's frippage all over that track. Um, and he talked about just how <laughs> yeah. happy how happy he was to be working with Robert Fripp because he loves King Crimson. And uh, I, I mean, I'm already, uh, we're already, uh, Nick Cave's, you know, is a, a, a goddamn a spirit among all us mortals. And to hear him talking about one of my other artists that I just love so much, it was just warm my heart. But uh, yeah, Grinder Man's great. Uh, I think Grinder Man is just a continuation of the great stuff that Nick Cave related people do. It fits in seamlessly in between Bad Seed albums, I feel. If you were to go to, I guess Grinderman would have came out after um, Orpheus, right? Yes. If you were to go to that, oh. that's jarring. Or Nocturama, are you talking about? No, no, no. Didn't Nocturama come before Orpheus? Oh, are you talking about the double album, the Abattoir? Yeah. And then yes. Or- I'm sorry, yes. yes. Yes, it came out after Exactly, Abattoir and so that released. might be a yeah. little bit, you're caught off guard, but then Dig Lazarus Dig, as we said, sounds just like, oh, Grinderman led to this which leads to another Grinderman album, which also interestingly uh, Push the Sky Away is not as aggressive, but some yeah. of the electronic techniques, uh, I find a connection there. Um, yeah. Anyways, it's all good. Everything Nick Cave is always good in my book, in our book. And uh, yeah, I don't listen to that. I mean, uh, I throw them on enough. I don't listen to them as much as my favorite Nick Cave albums, but definitely – my arguably almost probably my favorite singer songwriter that side project is almost as good as the main band meaning it gets to be number one for me. yeah yep the first time i heard no pussy blues um i knew that it was a little different than some of the stuff that i heard on abattoir the video is fantastic um that song fucking kicks ass um it's not my favorite song of Grinderman's. I think that would either be um, Heathen Child, When My Baby Comes. Mm, that's a good one. Good lord. The one, the, one, the one that kicks me in my ass off the first album is the I Don't Need You to Set Me Free. Oh, that's a good one, too. Um, but yeah, uh, they're just chock-a-block full of... I know that it makes me just think that this is probably Nick Cave's version of Tin Machine, but uh, a much better version, by the way. God, it really it really is. It's almost... it's From uh, from the top down, it's the same idea. I was going uh, to ask, though, isn't it more like... Is this? A, tell me if this is an oversimplification, but it seems like he's boiling down kind of his hornier, sleazier kind of storytelling songs to this project. Or is that? Am I oversimplifying? I uh, I think that's probably fair to say. That's a good assumption to make. Um, although you know, uh, he does get a little horny on some of, of his oh, yeah, yeah. other yeah, yeah, Nick Cave yeah, yeah. proper no, no, no. albums. Even but... uh, even 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 his most romantic, he's still a bit horny. Well, <laughs> yeah. Can't help it. But he's just putting it out there. I think, you know, it's it's a fine little project. I love what they've done, and I really do hope that there is a third record in That'd there. Great. Sounds yeah. like there will be. All right. 
right All on. right, so let's uh, so projects, right? That's our top five. Let's uh, everybody roll through your honorable mentions. They know we all got them. You bet. So some of the honorable mentions, uh, I will have to say, can't go without saying it's not my favorite side project, but How to Destroy Angels is on there. Um, them Crooked Vultures with Josh Joshua Hame uh, and Dave Grohl. I think that uh, project could have been a little bit better, um, but I don't know if they'll ever remake that. Um, Les Claypool is also a side project machine. Um, some of his stuff kind of veers into really ultra jammy stuff, which I don't know. Um, it's not my thing. Leverage was on my list. Secret Chiefs 3 was on my list. Sausage, which could be folded over into Les Claypool's work. Uh, Mad Season, um, I think that was a pretty solid a grunge era record with Lane Staley on the vocals and uh, Barrett Martin from Screaming Trees, Mike McCready from Pearl Jam. Red Sparrows uh, definitely had an orbit around ISIS, uh, the band, um, not the terrorist group. Palms. <laughs> Uh, with Chino Moreno and some of the ex-members of ISIS as well. Uh, Temple of the Dog, which is your definition of a supergroup. Uh, Dead Weather uh, is also on there for me. Um, I appreciate the kills. Uh, I don't love the kills. And, you know, Jack White with the White Stripes, uh, you know, take him or leave him. But uh, those are my honorable mentions, and I'm sure I'm missing a few. That's funny. I'm, I, as the marker's going through, I was scratching off some that I have. So thank you for bringing up Temple of the Dog. And um, a few others that I can't even read now that I scratched them off. Eric? I, I, I mentioned most of mine because most of mine are tied to the certain artists that I had to narrow it down to. So, okay. um, yeah, I don't have a lot more to add as far as that goes. Uh, I, for me, and this is weird because somewhere in the distance of my house, I don't know where it is. I'm going to figure it out once I hang up. Primus's version of the, huh? the <laughs> Dance with the Devil song is playing in the distance. The Charlie Daniels one. Um Devil went down to oh, Georgia. Yeah, Devil went down oh, to Georgia. Yeah. 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 That's hilarious. Yeah, and that's actually Les Claypool in general. Les Claypool is a ton of side projects for fans of the Primus on this show, but I couldn't justify putting them in any of my top five. Um yeah. Altamont is great. That's um that's the drummer of the Melvins, Dale Crover. That's his uh, yep. more straight ahead rock band. He plays guitar and sings. I think if you like the Melvins, they're worth checking out. Um I'm not as much into this genre or this grouping of artists as I used to be. But uh, some girls put out a couple of good albums, and yeah. that that was uh, the guy from American Nightmare and um, ah hell, The Locust among others. It's uh, it's it, it's short and a blast of hardcore. Team Sleep, which is a Deftones side project, and I that Team Sleep album, man, it is not my favorite. But, I hear you. Live, they were great, though. But live, they were great. They did a great version of uh, The Airplane Flies High by Smashing Pumpkins. And also, I feel that Team Sleep was a necessary evil to get Deftones to the next level what the Deftones did. So, Have you heard that Crosses album? I was a big fan of that one, That too. was. That was good. And that was Chino doing electronic stuff. That was Chino doing Fever Ray. Um, and yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't think you guys listen to him much, but I am a fan of Stone Sour. And uh, that's... Corey Taylor from Slipknot. That was the band he was in before Slipknot, and then he kicked him up again. It is very straight-ahead rock, but as I might talk about on a future podcast, I love Corey Taylor's uh, vocals, and even when he's singing with a band that's not as good as Slipknot as far as instrumentation goes, even straight-ahead, something close to butt rock, uh, Corey Taylor's vocals, uh, I'll listen to him. 
So there you go. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Mike Patton, a little bit. Yeah, he he, he definitely has a rapping thing, but he when he it, the difference between him and Mike Patton is I think that Corey Taylor is not afraid to go totally almost cheesy. He'll, he'll really he'll really go for the Robert Plant moments, you know. Sure. Yeah, but uh, anyhow, there you go. All right. Well. Well, great. Eric, close us out. Those were examples of excellent side projects. And our next real episode is an example of a side project. Tin Machine. <laughs> Tin Machine. David Bowie's uh, uh, attempt to join a band. And we are going to go... Uh, we're going to go hog wild on that album. So get ready. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, join us next week when we talk about Tin Machine. Um it is uh, going to be a thing. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so anyhow, join us next week. This has been Mark. Hey, Eric. Stephen Chambers. Good night. <laughs>